Hello and welcome to our podcast, Shut the Fuck Up, We Are Not Done Talking Yet, with Sharla Gabert and Danielle Warriman. I'm Sharla. And I'm Danielle. In our podcast, we discuss current events, popular culture, writing, books, movies, and women's lives. We are smart, funny, and occasionally profane. We hope you enjoy our podcast and thanks for listening. Hello, this is Danielle. Hi, this is Sharla. And this is STFU. We're not done talking yet. And today we have a special guest, Nancy Marmalejo. And Nancy is an executive coach, public speaker, and author. She's also an old friend of mine. I might not have mentioned that. Welcome, Nancy. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. We're kind of excited to have you because you're going to talk to us about a topic that is of great interest to us. And we hope to our listeners, we would like to hear about your methodology that you call deep genius. Please explain. Well, everybody has it. Everybody has deep genius. It is the, the essential building block of all of your potential and that which defines your unique value. I like to look at it as a combination of a couple of different things that you have like your innate strengths, both of you have innate strengths, you know, you might be naturally curious or natural communicator, or or some people are just naturally analytical, or they love to take things apart and put them back together again. It's just how you are, you know, just whatever. Um, There's some learned skills, things you might have learned in school or through training, or somebody formally taught them to you, and you realize they really stick well to you. They really stick well. You're like, whoa, like I can do that. And then, and then there's also the life experiences, things that you learn things through life that you didn't realize you had the capacity for. For me, I think about um, experiences I've had with life and death, being a mom, owning or being the human to a 16-year-old cat. I mean, there's certain things in you. It's like, I didn't know I had the capacity to love a furry creature so much or a human. So those are just some examples. And when you put those together in all of these unusual pairings and unique intersections, you find out that you are not easily replicated. There's a unique value to you. There's something special about who you are, what you do, and how you do it. Knowing that is one thing. Communicating that is the next piece. Creating and leading from it is how we put it out into the world. So that's deep genius in a nutshell. And I just wanted to make sure, is this a concept that you made up yourself or that you developed yourself? I think the concept of looking at your strengths and, um, you know, finding your unique value is not something that's brand new. I didn't invent that. The, the phrase deep genius is definitely mine that I created and the body of work I've done around it. So I'll bring in different aspects. Sometimes I use it with entrepreneurs to help them with their marketing messages. And sometimes I use this with career professionals to help them communicate their value to advance their careers. And I've also used this with artists so that they could 
help describe the work they do beyond the medium that they use to create the work? Um, authors, coaches, different types of people who just need to really communicate what's special and unique about them. For some reason, I'm reminded of a Venn diagram that we all did in school, right? Where you have your strengths and then you've got your skills and then your life experiences. And when you said the word intersection, I sort of thought, yeah, I can see that Venn diagram where there's this unique section in the middle where all these three, these three things intersect and really give you a great idea of how you are different, unique, and something that you can really go out into the world and know like why you're here. You know, to me, it sort of gives you a sense of purpose that you, and meaning to your life to find something. Yeah, the Venn diagram is my friend. I'm a big fan of. And then also sometimes I, I have, if I'm leading a workshop on deep genius, I'll have people just kind of column A, column B, column C, put your innate strengths here, put your learned skills there, put your life experiences, and now sort of like a, a menu, pick one from column A, one from column B, one from column C, throw them together and see what you have. And it's like the software uh -huh. engineer who also is into crystals, who had her heart broken last year. It's like, okay, so what does that say to you? How does that form you and how you see the world? And, you know, we go into things like, okay, well, I have this acute sense of sympathy or empathy and sensitivity to others because the heartbreak kind of left kind of raw. The crystal part, you know, I'm open to alternative stuff and the software engineer. It's like, and then I have this freaky analytical side. Right. So it's, like kind of throwing those things together, I'll have groups do that and then kind of go around the room and share those and reflect the value back to one another. It's so much fun to be able to pull together what you might think are disconnected pieces of you and putting them together, seeing that it actually defines your value in a really cool way that you can use in business, you can use it in your career, you could use it in the stuff that you create. It sounds like people are probably in some ways not fully conscious of what their deep genius is until they've gone through a process. Um, I mean, people might know what their strengths are because people always tell you, um, oh, you're so whatever, fill in the blank. Um, we all know maybe what skills we've consciously learned and studied, but I think a lot of people have skills that they don't even know how to describe or quantify. Um, again, there are things that they sort of take for granted. I think most people do take for granted some of their, their gifts, if you will. I agree. And that's because they're so close to us and they don't take a lot of effort. We think that they're, yeah. we feel like mm, this should be something I sweat over. So I'm not going to count that. Yes. But like Charlie, you're a great communicator and a great writer. And yes, and I totally take it for granted. Yeah. I mean, Until I, you're around people who are like, uh, can't string a word together and say, how do you yeah. do that? Yeah. I mean, I used to teach writing um, at the freshman writing level, and it's actually pretty hard to teach writing if you are good at it innately because you haven't gone through the process of learning and not being good at it. You have no memory of how you learned it. Um, it's, I think it's hard to teach something that you're good at for that reason. 
or just knowing how to help people spot it in themselves. I think one of the other things about it being difficult is that, you know, our eyes are on the outside of our face looking outward. They're not sort of hanging over us, looking at us, following us around. So we can't always see ourselves in action, see our strengths. And, you know, a qualified set of eyes can look at you and reflect back to you really accurately. Somebody who's very intuitive and insightful, and they could say, this is what you're really great at. They might say a word or two that surprises you. Sometimes people are brought to tears because they say, really? You see that in me? And they're like, everybody sees that in you. And you, you know, your eyes open to something you didn't realize about yourself. And it, you know, I had an experience like that a few weeks ago. I was having lunch with a girlfriend who was sort of complaining about her job. She's a CPA. She's like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I used to work for the Sierra Club. And I said, I kind of know what you feel like. I feel like I haven't really done anything with my life. And she said, oh, don't be ridiculous. You bring joy into every environment you come in. And I mean, that really did bring me to tears because that isn't what I think of as my strength by any means. Um, so it was great to hear that reflected back from her. Right. And I, um, I feel like some of my life experience has led me to the place right, where I, like, I think I'm an excellent, you know, cocktail party guest because I'll go around and talk to everybody. I can be very bubbly. Um, I also was briefly in a multi-level marketing business that forced me to bring up a topic that's actually painful. It's like cringeworthy <laughs> now that I think they say, oh, would you like to be involved in my MLM? And this is what the product is like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that for a year and a half. It's, it's terrifying to look back at that. Um, I also have lived in foreign countries, as you know, so I can awkwardly speak to someone in a different language just to attempt to get my point across. And, um, and that's enjoyable. And I can't say everyone likes that. It could make some people like jump out a window. It's terrifying, right? I have to admit, I did multi-level marketing also. And what, got, what happened is I was not even that excited about the business model, which of course is why you get out of it eventually. But I thought the product was so fantastic. And I really wanted to share it with everybody. And I love the technology of it. And I love talking about the technical aspects. And this made me a very enthusiastic um, person, although maybe not a good multi-level marketer, because really the way that you make money is just getting more and more people to be underneath you. Um, and I was really too excited about the product to build the business. <laughs> but I think you know we were talking earlier about how we feel like our podcast is kind of our our partnering deep genius that we both have come to the point of doing this podcast together because we have something to say and we feel like we were born to do this that is kind of our motto to each other that so we to do this. This. danielle you were born to do <laughs> this and so, you know, we were thinking about maybe you could help us take a look at what is our deep genius from your perspective. So that's a great, that is fun because listening to your podcast and, and well, knowing Danielle for a bit and meeting you now, Sharla, I, I see that the two of you are these enthusiastic learners, lifelong learners and curious. and 
blessed with great communication skills and a love of people and not cursed with the shyness of not wanting to get behind a microphone and share with the rest of the world. So there's a lack of self-consciousness because you love what you love so much, you don't even see the barriers to it. So I think there's this, this great combination of you both sharing this great sense of curiosity, this um, love of lifelong learning, excellent communication skills, and also I think a certain element of daring, you don't really care. It's like you're not sitting there going, gosh, I wonder what people think about the fact that we call this STFU. I hope, I hope no one's offended by that. Oh my goodness, what if my 100-year-old aunt sees this? And I have a funny story relating to our title. So we came up with the name, and it's, um, it's actually on our pilot episode that we put out last week, our process of how we found the name. And then we were, one person gave us some feedback that she didn't care for it because um, of the F word. And then I told my psychiatrist and he said, you absolutely have to keep that name. <laughs> True story. Yeah. It's, it's endor endorsed by psychiatric professionals everywhere. Yeah. It's part of the uh, psychiatric federation's guidelines now. <laughs> it's just. I think that that story is an excellent example of, um, that we have reached a point in our lives when it's not that we don't care what people think, but I feel like we don't care as much maybe as we did when we were younger. Or even if we care, um, we're not going to be deterred from talking about what we want to talk about. And uh, but positive side, we want to share all the cool things that we have learned all of our passions, our enthusiasms, and we, we each have so many, you know, we have so many things that we are interested in. I mean, I can go on and on forever about, for example, mosaics, which I started doing maybe 10 years ago, got totally into it. I could talk about mosaics all day. Danielle teaches Nia, and we both have done Nia. That's how we met. Yeah, it's one of my creative outlets, and um, being, that's another thing that gives me um, stage presence as it works. I speak to my students, and I stand in front of them and, and talk to them every week. And also, a, another interest I have is beekeeping, which is kind of obscure, especially for women. There are some of us out there, so I like to talk about that and share my whatever information and knowledge I have on bees. I was thinking, you know, before podcasts were available, um, we probably would have been limited to, I don't know, trying to like write about our stuff and our experiences and try to get published. You know, like my dream job was always to be like a newspaper reporter who got to cover a different topic every week. And I would just like dive in, research, interview, write an article, get it published, and then boom, start all over again the next week, you know, just start all over and learn a whole new thing, which I kind of feel like we get to do with our podcast. You know, we get to invite people like yourself on and find out about things, you know, really follow our curiosity wherever it leads us and take other people along for the ride. That's exactly what it is. Follow your curiosity and take other people along for the ride. Like whether or not somebody's interested in mosaics or beekeeping isn't even the point. 
what it is is listening to two people who get so excited and enthusiastic about things things that are kind of obscure in in the the day-to-day -day. it's like oh i never really thought of that before maybe i want to read a book on it maybe i'm more interested in watching this documentary on netflix about it maybe i'm <clears throat> maybe i oh look at that there's a cause to save bees i'm going to contribute to that because they're beekeepers i mean you just you're raising awareness of things. Maybe somebody hears you that you're passionate about mosaics and they might say to themselves, what am I passionate about? Or, oh, look at that mosaic over there, I love it. I think I'll take a picture of it or buy it or whatever. It just puts stuff into people's orbit that might not have been there before. Anytime we introduce new information to our brains, we're laying down new neural pathways, our brains are going, ooh, new like I want to know more I'm getting smarter look at me and it's I mean it's good I mean especially you reach a certain age you've got to do anything and everything you can to lay down those new neural pathways otherwise you keep walking in the room wondering where your glasses are and they're actually in your hand the whole time <laughs> that too <laughs> yeah but that's a really good point you know the lifelong learning is something I really am more attentive to now that I'm in my early 60s. But now that I'm retired, I love the fact that I have the time and the energy and the freedom to go pursue passions that pop up in a way that I couldn't when I was busy working full time. Another impetus of our um, podcast came from uh, the couple of classes we take. We take a class called um, uh, excavate your truth and then the second class is called crafting your truth where it, women are encouraged to write out all of their stories and then we read them to each other and that's been very freeing for me story by story i put some of them on my blog um a couple of them i haven't had the courage yet to share on my blog um so we would love to see uh women championed and to to, to speak their truths and be heard if nothing else, like just say, yes, I hear you. That's yes. really important to us. The teacher of our class, whose name is Marilyn Bosquin, and someday soon she'll be on here. Um, her writing business is called Writing Women's Lives, and it is for women who are done with silence. And her, you know, her whole theory is that women are generally silenced by society and don't get to speak honestly and openly about their experiences and what they're really feeling. And that's kind of the focus of the class. And I, I feel like that class really probably helped get us to the point of making a podcast that not only are we done with silence and going to write about it, we're going to talk about it even, and, right? And we're going to each one step further. <laughs> You're, you are encouraging people and role modeling for people to step out of whatever their, let's say we have limitations around ourselves that are conscious or not. And some of those limitations might be in what we think is available to us as entertainment or pastimes or things to look at topics of any way, shape, or form, cultural, creative, whatever. And you two are like these little, like the Snoop sisters of curiosity. You're out there looking around for, oh, look at this. Oh, 
you know, rusty farm equipment. Let's do a podcast, you know, episode on how much we love it. It's just weird, random things that light you up. Whether a person can relate to them or not is not the point. It's the fact that you're sharing this thing. And, and so there's this, I want to put it in the context of women who refuse to be silent and say, you are helping I don't know if your podcast is meant for just women or women and men, but human beings who are maybe realizing that they've been ordering off the same menu for a little too long. <laughs> yes, that's a great way to put it. You two are taking, you're like teaching people how to like order off the menu. Let's go, let's get this, let's go the weird route. Let's go the unknown. Let's, let's go for that thing. It's like, oh, look at, there's something I've never heard of. I've never tried. And nobody's ever told me whether it's good or bad. Huh, I think I'll go try it. I mean, that's, that's you. And we love you for that and appreciate you because there are a lot of people who don't yet have that courage muscle strengthened to the point where they can go out and just try something unconventional or that they haven't heard of you are the the front line of that and then you come back and you report you say okay here's what we saw out there on the front line and people say oh okay i can dip one toe into it knowing that you have already checked it out right and, maybe and that, one day they yeah, might do that one in day in that regard uh, um to tell even one story at a time every time i write a story that usually has something to do with my past or my childhood and I, and I hit publish and maybe I share it on Medium and maybe I share it on Facebook. Someone, it touches somebody. It might touch more than one somebody, but it touches someone and then they say, oh, I wanna write a little or I'm gonna tell my story and not keep my truth stuffed inside, which is actually making me ill. So mm -hmm. there's that sharing thing that it's almost for the, it's for the greater good, mm -hmm. right? And it is so true. Every time Danielle has a story from her childhood, it always reminds me of something and sort of inspires me to tell my story as well. It could be about the same topic or maybe just a similar situation. Um, you know, it could be like a game of ping pong. It's like, write a story, tell a story, and you know, you just kind of keep going. But I think you're right, it does, it, it encourages other people to tell their story and get out of their comfort zone a little bit. I, I see it as a form of healing for self-healing and helping others, you know, and healing comes in so many different forms, but it's, you know, anything that is helping to halt uh, a negative spiral down and re re refocus us and, and divert us to an upward trajectory, I think that can help people in their attitude. Anytime you help someone with their attitude, it can help with your health your stress reduction and all of the, I mean, I look at the health and the emotional benefits of being excited about something, being happily excited about something, welcoming something with joy. And if somebody learns that they've been limiting themselves through reading your works or for list, by listening to your podcast, then I think that you've done something very, very useful in this world. And that's evidence of how you're creating and leading from your deep genius. That's the evidence that we're using. It's like, okay, I ask people, it's like, okay, now that you know this about yourself, you've got this snowflake quality over here and that snowflake quality over there. What are you doing with it? What are you here to create with it? And they, once again, it might be something, oh, I wanna write a book or I'm 
going to redesign something in my business or I want to completely change the way we market and message who we are or I'm going to describe myself a certain way in, um, in my professional work. It, it happens, you know. Another thing that happens is that um, working with leaders, I find that people, once they have an understanding of themselves and what they bring to the table, looking at others, they can suddenly start seeing the value in other people. So their leadership style changes. You know, it's like when you become obsessed with finding your unique intersections, you start looking at other people going, hey, did you know that you've got these weird little three things that together are really, really cool? And reflecting that back to people that you lead is so powerful. It, it just, it, it elevates everyone to a different way of interpreting strengths. It's not just like, okay, this is who I am on the strengths finder, or I'm analytical and I'm going to do this. It's just, like I say, there's a little bit of purpose thrown into it. It puts a different fuel behind it. You know, Nancy, um, we wanted to also give you a chance to talk to us about a book that you wrote last year, just to change topics a little bit. Um, this was a book that you wrote about navigating grief on social media. So could you just tell us the title and tell us about how you came to write it and what it's about? The title is um, Don't Say That, Say This, Navigating Grief and Loss on Social Media. It's available on Amazon. You can get it as a Kindle book. You can buy it as a paperback. and. I wrote this book because I experienced the loss of three people, my mother, my former husband, and my sister, all within a span of four years. And on each of those occasions, I remember sharing it on social media and noticing that social media has become the, the village square where we announce what's happening in our lives. You know, anything from delivery room selfies to, hey, so-and-so just died. I mean, we find it out there. And what I noticed, so this is like a part of my deep genius is, okay, first of all, I'm, uh, I'm also lo love to write. And then I have these life experiences of loss, but I also have this innate thing in me where I want to find the teachable moment in everything and like help people with it. So that's how this book came along because I noticed that there were a lot of rote responses. People didn't mean ill. They just didn't know what else to say because you're scrolling through social media and you're like liking a cat video and wishing somebody happy birthday. And then, oh, your mother died. So sorry for your loss. And now I'm going to go back to clicking on this link. You know, it's like there's this sort of autopilot thing. So the goal of the book is to help people shift into empathy more quickly, to just take a moment and just be present and understand, you know what, somebody's having a very difficult time right now. Just, and instead of just rotely putting, so sorry for your loss, which 150 people have already written as their comment right above yours, maybe you can write something else maybe it can be something just a little different, like, I, I feel for you, or that must be so hard. 
or um, God, I, you know, somebody loses a pet, like, oh, I always loved how your dog would jump up on me when I go over to your house and I can understand, you know, how, how hard this must be for you. Something a little more personalized. I'm not saying that nobody does that. There are some people who do it beautifully, but the majority of people are very uncomfortable with death and loss and dying. And so I, you know, that, that's a, a, an intersection of things that happened with me and what I created out of that was that book. And so that was a big, I, I, and it was also a way that I worked through my grief because I wrote it in the couple of weeks after my sister died. I just sat down and didn't get up. I couldn't work. I couldn't talk to people. I just said, just leave me alone. I have to write this. And it was, um, it's been well received and lots of people got help from it. It's been very well received. I get emails all the time from people. Some of them I know, some of them I don't know. Some of them find me on social media and they say, this book really helped me a lot. They, um, they said, if I hadn't have had that book, I would not have known how to respond to this other person. I was ready to just give them this response. There is a colleague of mine who has a financial planning business who started giving this book out to their clients saying um, they're doing like, you know, legacy planning. Yes. It's like, hey, if we're talking about death, you need to, you should probably have this book as well. And I've been invited by a, a college class on, um, I don't know what department it is. It might be in sociology, but it's about the lifespan to come in and do a presentation on what we're teaching in this book to talk about end of life and how social media is the place where we're finding out about death and dying before we have a conversation or a phone call. Mm -hmm. that, that is so true. And it is, it's a very odd medium, as you say, because it's mixed in with all sorts of crazy things and political cartoons. And it's also really easy to miss um, an announcement. I've missed several people announcing the death of their parents on Facebook. And, you know, I found out later, months later, um, because we all think that that's the most quick and easy way to communicate it. But it kind of, it's, there's something about it that is both very immediate and very public and, but also not, I don't know, there's something about the medium. It isn't really the best medium to communicate death, I don't think. And yet we, that's what we do. That's what people do. Yeah, it is. It is the village square. Um, we don't pick up the phone and call anymore. And, you know, it's just, it's just, I think we're trying to figure it out right now. And so my goal in writing the book was while we're figuring this out, because this might become the place where we announce everything, let's just, let's just word it a little bit differently. So there's a chapter on empathy and just giving people an exercise of being able to witness a person and just go into that place of see that this is a person who's hurting as opposed to trying to change the subject or tell them a joke to cheer them up or saying, oh yeah, well, when my mom died. This, you know, it's like, I don't need to be one-upped by you. You don't need to compare war stories. There are all these things. That's why I say, don't say that. Don't, don't give them your story. Yeah. Don't tell them, you know, well, it, you know, if somebody has a miscarriage, well, you can always try again. Don't, don't go there. You know, if a pet dies, don't say, well, it's just a pet. 
or whatever, or it was God's will. It's like, don't go there. Don't go yes. there. Go into empathy. I see you're hurting. I feel your pain. My heart goes out to you. This must be so hard. I'm here for you. Like, how? Let's go there. Make it about that person, not about you, not about your next door neighbor, not about what you heard in the news, not about what you heard in church, but just about that person right there. That's my goal. And you know, so I, think, I was just going to say, I feel like one issue with Facebook is that we're all so quick to comment and move on that taking the time to think about our response is kind of alien to the way most of us zip through our Facebook newsfeed. I mean, yes. obviously, in the olden days when we wrote condolence notes and sent cards, we had time to think about it. We had time to think about a few sentences to write and say something meaningful. But with Facebook, we're just like, it's another to-do item. Like, oh, I need to click on this. I need to hit this, the crying emoticon and try to say something in five seconds. And then I've got to move on because I have like so many other things. Um, yes, I, I address that in the book. I address that exact same thing. And I've created um, templates for people. It's like, you know what? If you can't think of the words right now, try some of these phrases. I have lists and lists and lists of phrases. If you want to just put one sentence, if you want to build a paragraph, I put it all together. The teacher in me comes out and says, okay, everybody, here's how we're going to write a nice little condolence with that exact same thing in mind. Most people don't know what to say and getting some examples yes. um, until it becomes natural. Just borrow, borrow these for a bit. I was going to say my, um, I know some women who've suffered um, pregnancy losses and they are very vocal on Facebook um, if they're on Facebook. So they, they might write a story about it or say, oh, it's the one year anniversary of my child dying in there. Mm -hmm. And before we had the choices of emoticons where they're, you know, a laugh, oh, sorry, a, a check, a thumbs up, a heart or whatever, it was only likes. Yeah. And she'd say, I want you to like this post because I want you to know that I want to know that you saw it. Mm -hmm. So, of course, um, and that sounded so horrible to me. I'm like, I don't want to like your post. You're sad. So I would get in there and say, I'm so sorry you're feeling sad today or something like that, which was I wish I had your book already. So I'd probably think of something better to say. But, you know, it's just Facebook is strange that way. And yet it is an actual method of delivering information. Of course, the other thing that's sort of weird is that you're providing this heartfelt condolence and everyone else has seen it. I mean, it's, it's not a one-to-one -one communication. You are communicating to your friend, but everybody who's a Facebook friend of that person can see that post. And so it has a different quality from something more private that you might deliver when you were alone with that person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, 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 it's just a whole new rule. I mean, you know, sympathy cards aren't usually held open on display for everyone to read. On the other hand, it, if, if done, my, my goal is that people will pivot into empathy, rephrase the way that they're offering condolences to people, and because it's written there for everyone to see, the next person's going to see it and say, oh, Right. I'm going to write some, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go on autopilot. Little by little, I'm in here for the long game. So maybe it may not change tomorrow. Maybe a few years from now, I'm going to start to notice a difference and a change. 
and I know that people have contacted me who are influential in social media and they say, you know what, that completely changed the way I respond to people. And so maybe if a high visibility person starts doing things a little bit differently, you know, one of my goals in life is if I can't hit zillions of people, I can hit influencers who hit zillions of people. And once I, you know, once they do things differently, their followers start to do differently. Um, well, it's sort so of like if we see other people's posts and we think, you know what, next time I'm going to say something more like that because that was really thoughtful and meaningful. And I kind of wish I'd taken the time to think of something helpful like that. And, you know, you file it away and maybe next time you do, you change your own behavior a little bit. Yeah. So it's just, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's fun that I, it's not fun that I had all these people die, but it's fun that I got to teach people something that I didn't set out in life to teach. My stuff that I was working on is, you know, my work is in personal branding, executive coaching, communicating your value. And then I wrote a book on grief because it's just, you know, it's, it's, it just happened. And I realized I had the perfect experience and skill set to put that out there. And it's not like war and peace. It's not like the longest book in the world. It's 99 cents on Kindle. I made it cheap and I couldn't give it away for free. And I'm probably going to do an updated version of it because I've had so many people send me their stories. I have yeah. to, I think I have to include a new chapter of like, how this changed people's lives because I have got a lot of messages from people around how this changed the way that they interact with others. And, you know, I think there's a lot of weird stuff happening on social media and I'm proud to be one of the people who's doing something that's healing and forward moving as far as, you know, being yeah. loving. What could be more um, necessary now with, I think, at, um, I, I'll speak for myself in this phase of life. I mean, I've, I just suffered a loss two weeks ago. My friend died of cancer. The grief is with me and it's not going away. And I want to say the right thing to her family and not sound like I'm being trite. You know, it's, it's, just, it's around us and uh, it's having a better vocabulary to res be respect respectful or show our feelings to our friends is really important. It's really helpful to have a guide because we don't have to deal with death on a daily basis and we're not we're not that comfortable talking about the topic and like you said the vocabulary we don't necessarily have the vocabulary because we don't have to talk about it all the time but we need you know most people do need help with how to talk about it especially on social media so yeah that's really a cool idea thanks for sharing that with us yeah we kind of had two shows in one today I love it. Is there anything else about your um, business that, or you'd like to share with us in closing? Um, what's your the best thing you ever did at work? Or, I don't know. The best thing I ever did at work. God, I don't know. I mean, I do so many fun things. I um, I speak a lot. I get to speak at conferences. I recently spoke at a conference that was bringing awareness to human trafficking and sex trafficking. And it was filled with leaders. And I took them through a deep genius visioning process because as leaders, what are we going to do with all this information that we just learned and how are we going to, what are we going to create with it? And so that's one of the things I love. It seems I've carved out a spot for myself 
being one of the last speakers at a conference saying, okay, now that you've heard all this stuff, mm. I actually want to help you create the vision to put it out into the world. And that's really exciting because I realized that the people who are doing this exercise are people who really are um, big, I guess, movers and shakers who, who, are, who have the power and the influence and the reach to make big changes somewhere. So that's really exciting. But I also love working with kids. I, I just, it's for fun every Saturday and um, I go and tutor and I work with kids who the school system says they should, they should maybe be held back or they're not smart. And I'm like, are you kidding? This kid is brilliant. And um, you know, that to me is, is some of the funnest work that I do as well. I don't want to do it full time anymore. That was my teaching thing. But this is like, oh, an hour here, an hour there, a little light up from a kid. Yes, I like that. No, oh, it sounds so rewarding. That's two examples helping a, a, an organization and helping children directly. Well, listen, we want to thank you again for your time. We don't want to forget to give your website which is called talentandgenius.com. Is that correct? That is correct. And the name of the book that we talked about is Don't Say That, Say This, Navigating Grief and Loss on Social Media. Available, available on Amazon. And we'll put that information on the notes of this podcast for sure so people can find Nancy more easily. And Nancy, it's so great to talk to you. Thank you for your generosity of being on our show. And we did forget to, to chat for a moment that we've known each other more than 30 years for sure. Yeah, I think, so check it out. I remember going to a baseball game with you in 1988 at Candlestick, okay? so. Yes. I'm one of those people who remembers years because I'm kind of wacko. So yeah, 1988. I, to tell you the truth, I think I have a picture from that night because it was July. We were sitting on the third deck and I was wearing a parka and a scarf over my head and I was freezing because it was candlestick in July. In July. And that fog was coming down over that gulch and right into the park. So there's a little ad right there. Thank goodness they built they built the park downtown, 18 Park, which is now called something else. Yay! But you are actually a big A's fan, and I appreciate that. We are going to go to some more A's games this year because my husband says the Giants are frightening him. and We need to, like, spread out and find a new team that actually can play. Well, I know Very you're good. a Braves fan also, and yes. so we've only got one more season game, right? And then it's off to the races with the yes. playoffs. I'm, I'm right. a uh, – I just, I, I have a, yes, I'm a big sports fan and I like to scream and yell and uh, celebrate, you know, people doing well at what they're doing. And when my team wins, it's all the better. Well, the Warriors keep us screaming <laughs> and yelling for sure. So anyway, thanks again for yes. your time. It's great meeting you. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Bye. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. You can get more information about it on facebook.com backslash Sharla Danielle podcast.